Well, happy Palm Sunday. Uh, this is week seven of our Lent Life Job journey. Uh, we are almost to the finish line, about two full weeks left. Uh, one more Sunday after this. Yeah, but and the Sunday after this is when we get to have a cookie. So next Sunday, we are ending the giving something up. And today we talk about God. God shows up and really does a work and in, in says a lot of things. And, and so we're going to be looking at how, how God showed up. Uh, we are joined again by Kelly Borjas. Hello. So Kelly, what did you give up for Lent? Oh, okay. And what are you looking forward to next Sunday? So food is usually a big thing for me. Like I really obsess about food, but right now I'm not so into food. So I gave up scrolling on social media because the amount of time and, you know, like dull moments I'd have that I would fill with social media just to scroll were like ridiculous. No, my husband gave up the same thing. And actually we even feel like we're both too attached to our phones. So part of it for us, we start putting our phones away from 5.30 to seven at night because we'd be at the dinner table and our watches are beeping and our phones are going off. And we're both like, this is not right. We're, we're missing out on our time with our kids. So I think a big part for us was presence. So how do you see re-engaging that? Well, I think it's tricky because there is a lot of good that comes with social media. And I do feel like I can connect with people. I mean, I, for example, I'm in a writer's group with friends I've never met across the country and that's how we can connect. I think that's a great thing. So probably like everything in life, trying to find that balance for me, it might mean not having it on my phone and just going on my computer in case I want to look at it, mm-hmm. finding boundaries, probably, if that makes sense. How long until you fall fully back into it? Well, because I've done this before, (laughs) I give it about three weeks. (laughs) It's great. The first three weeks, you're on a high, and you're like, I'm never doing it again. And then one day, you're like, I'm just going to look at my internet browser. I'll just get on Facebook on my internet browser. And the next thing you know, you're like, might as well just download the app again. Because I'm thinking, I want to have one cookie. Yeah. Just to know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then, you know, like four weeks later, I'm going to be like, I'll eat my normal 10 cookies at lunch. You know. (laughs) That's why I like the ritual of it, because it kind of resets you. It's like a reset. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, So, Aaron, would you mind giving a recap of this week? I'm going to give you the shortest recap we have done so far. Essentially, this week what happens is God shows up. And in God showing up, he doesn't necessarily comfort Job like we think we want to be comforted, or Job might think he needs to be comforted, but God just shows up, and he just says, I'm going to tell you who I am, and you need to listen to me. And through that thing of God telling Job who he is, Job will be completely changed by the end of the book. But I'd really like you to just to listen to the actual message, then this wrap-up to see all the things that take place. Because Job becomes generous like God. He becomes loving like God. He understands how to give to those around him because God does that as well. And it all comes about because of how God revealed himself. So in the middle of your message, you ask the question, if God showed up in your suffering, what would you expect him to do? So, so Kelly, I'd like to throw this to you. You are somebody who uh, we thought of to have on because you have and are going through some suffering right now. Um, would you mind sharing that and what meeting God in the midst of that look like? Pastor may not like all my responses here, but I'm going to be honest and vulnerable about that. Uh, so I have a history of miscarriages. I have had three total Uh but four total babies lost because one of them was with twins. So my first miscarriage was between my two boys. I have two boys, a five, almost five, oh no, five-year-old and seven-year-old. And in between them, I had a miscarriage. At that time, I thought it was kind of 
you know, one of the statistics, because they say like one in however many pregnancies are miscarriages. Uh, then I had a second one and it just came in the midst of a really hard season for me personally. And I think looking back on it, I have a really hard time separating the miscarriage from that entire season, uh, which is where, you know, of course, God comes into play in that. But just to give you a quick recap, we lived in Orange County. I had lived there for 15 years since college, tons of friends down there and community. My husband grew up here. Uh, we decided to remodel our house down there. And so we, uh, <laughs> we get the remodel started. They take down the wall, which is, you know, kind of the point of no return. And the next day we found out my husband had been laid off. And so we had to pivot and decide what we we're going to do, which made us make the decision to move up here. And so we moved here on New Year's Eve. And I don't think I really wanted to move, honestly. I knew long-term I wanted to live on the Central Coast, but I didn't really want to leave my friends, and I didn't really want to live in Santa Maria ever. So it was a little bit There's of... There's a lot of people who feel like that. I know, I know, <laughs> and I hear that all the time. So I remember in that time feeling like, okay, I'm going to find community, I'm going to find friends. We found a church. Kind of started to feel like I can do this around March, and then I found out I was pregnant, which was a surprise. And it was not probably the timing I would have had, but I remember feeling like, okay, but this answers the question on whether we have baby number three. So at least I don't have to make that decision. And that pregnancy, I had several complications and as a result had gone into the ER a handful of times, which then meant I had multiple ultrasounds. And when you have those ultrasounds, you see a baby moving and you start connecting with the baby. And then at 13 weeks, I had to go back to the ER and they sent me home and I went to the doctor the next day and she did another ultrasound and the baby wasn't moving anymore. And so I then had to have what they call a DNC. Um, and it was just so emotional and so traumatic because I didn't understand why would God give me a baby to take the baby away. And I just remember telling Joseph, I don't understand. Why would God do this? Like, why, why give me a baby that he could save and then take the baby away? I don't get it. I could understand. Yeah, take his job away because that's going to move us here. And we have family here and something better will come. I can understand we sold that house and we got a bigger house. I mean, you can kind of understand that some of the things that come along, something better will happen. And I just remember being in the middle of nowhere being, I just don't understand and uh, he looked at me in his logical way and he goes, well, I think you have two choices. You give up on trusting God or you trust him. And that's all it comes down to. Um, and I think that was just a moment for me. Did, did he say, take one step? No, but you, you know him, you know that's how he is. He's just like, you just have to do this thing. That's it, it's simple. Um, and so it was just, it was hard to process that. And it still is looking back on it. And, and I think it was in that time that I really understood there are some things that happen in this world or, as I say, on this side of eternity that I'll never have the answers for. And even years later, I still don't understand and I still don't feel like I see it and I'm not sure I ever will. And I think as I wrote in that blog, you know, the Christian answer a lot of times is all things work together for good. And yeah, they do. They work for his glory, which is, I guess, my good. But 
at the end of the day, I still can't say losing a baby at 13 weeks was a good thing. And I don't think I'll ever be able to say that. And so I guess for me, spiritually, it was in that moment that I had to do the hard trust. The hard trust is knowing I may never get an answer, knowing I may never have the like, oh, this happened. So this is the reason why. And just knowing that hopefully one day in eternity, I'll get the answer and I'll see what God was doing. But until then, I just have to trust that he's bigger than I am. So how would you have wanted God to show up in the midst of that to you? What would you wanted God to do? You're going to hate my answer. <laughs> Thanks for judging me. Though. Well, <laughs> one of the really difficult things about that season was that I was so new here. And so I did not have the community that I have now. I just think the point was I felt really lonely. And what I would have wanted in that time was just for people to show up. And they did in ways I wouldn't have expected and maybe friends that I have in other places but not here at that time I I would have I think that's how I feel God's love most is when people show up and they're a tangible reminder of him but I would also like to fast forward and say my miscarriage after that I had tons of people here support me and it just goes to show that I had lived here longer and I had had time to develop friendships and true community and the number of people that poured support out during that time including RGC at the time they prayed with me and um, Laura Weeding brought over dinner and Michelle G dropped something off and Caitlin Campbell I mean the list of people is a mile long who showed up for me that second time so people to show up you know for for me it's it's very hard because when it happened to us I don't want anybody around me I don't want to talk to anybody just leave me alone and it's hard for me when people go through that to see, you know, what what do they need? Because it, it, I think it depends a little bit on who you are. Right. And I did ask my husband, I said, do you think it's a personality thing that I want people to show up, but other people may not? So I think that's a very valid um, excuse point, I was going to say. <laughs> no, I think, but I think. At least as you think about walking through grief, grief with people, sometimes I think the right question is, do you want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. And just let people know you're willing. And if they want to talk, they talk. I just remember feeling like if no one talks to me, it makes it feel like it didn't happen or that it wasn't a big deal. And I'm over here suffering in silence. Um, so that, But that's my personality because I think my husband would probably be more like you. He's like, I'm good. I don't want to talk about it. So. Well, I think sometimes a good question to ask in the middle of things like that, and I told some of this a few weeks ago, is you need to ask, you know, what do you need from me right now? Because, yeah. And, and if sometimes people in the midst of it, they can't be honest, they don't, or they don't know even. And, but if people could say, I, I just want to be left alone. I just want a hug. I just want you to pray with me. If it, It's that thing. What do you need from me right now? And that's probably a good question to ask in the middle of it. I think so. And it, again, it depends on the person, but I think it's a good question. Because then the person can tell you what they actually yeah. need. And, or I've heard people say, offer several things. I can buy you groceries. I can make you dinner. I could show up and watch a movie with you. You can talk about it. I could sit in silence. I mean, you could kind of give them a list, and then they can say, but see, I'll If someone that did that one. to me, I'd, I'd be like, I feel like I have to say yes to something so you don't feel bad. And then all of a sudden, I'm feeling bad because oh. you want to do these things. And I don't want you to do anything, but I'm going to feel bad because I say no to you when you want to do something. I asked you... Because I didn't know when we, after we had been here for a while, I knew you guys didn't have kids, but I didn't know your story because I had not been around Element for all those years. But if we're on this topic, I do remember you saying, you know, you had shared your story. And then I remember you saying, but God has, 
you know, in a lot of ways made Element like a child, and I've been able to be, you know, present. all a bunch of babies. Well, yes. there is that. <laughs> but I mean, I think it would be, maybe if you were open to it, nice to hear hmm. your stance and your story, because you do have experience with this topic. I mean, Mary Ann and I, we tried to have kids for years. Um, always wanted a little girl, you know, wanted to be a dad with, with a little girl. Um, we, I mean, we went, we went through tons of stuff. She was on, you know, the different drugs, and we decided that we, were, we would do everything until this one surgery thing where they said they were going to, it's almost some like a fork kind of thing, and they, like, perforate her ovaries to kind of, I don't know, aerate them out like you fertilize a lawn or something. I don't know. And we decided that that was the line. And she would go every day for a couple months to a doctor after work every day and they would ultrasound her to see when her eggs were going to drop. And you would see it would get darker, 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 and then it would just go away. And so it didn't drop. And, you know, nobody knew why. No one knew what was happening in that. But she she did get pregnant. And she calls me and I'm at lunch with a couple youth leaders and stuff. And she's in tears and I can't understand. She's like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, Ugh. so I, I can't. I'm just so out of it at that point. I'm like, what? And so someone drives me over to meet her. We go to uh, the OBGYN. They do the ultrasound and stuff. And then uh, I, I was preaching, filling in for the head pastor at, at this church. And that morning she woke up and there was blood everywhere and she lost a baby. And uh, it was interesting because I was doing music. There's three services. I was doing music in the third one, but preaching at all three that morning. And the last song we did was that you give and take away, mm. you give and take away. She sets, she's singing too. She sets the mic down. She walks off the stage. I end the song. I'm a have a good week, everybody. I set guitar down and I just walked off because you know you, it, it, it's you walk through that pain and as soon as there's nothing else that kind of distracts you from it, you're then in just in the middle of it, mm -hmm. and is it's it's a tough time. Um, we it's I. She thinks she, she had another miscarriage as well, but, I mean, that is, like, the one time that, that we knew we knew. And, you know, since then we've done a couple things where we talked about fostering. Then this, this little girl needed a home, and her dad died unexpectedly, and so we're, and we were just like, okay, and we, so we jumped to it, and Marianne gets really invested in it. And by the end of it, uh, someone else kind of takes her, and it was in really a situation that we didn't think was great for her but because we weren't foster parents yet we couldn't actually mm -hmm. take her in and so she kind of got connected to that and then it was taken away and Marin's like yeah I'm, I'm done and then we started to do it a little bit more again and then something to the same effect kind of happened again and you know we tried to have kids for so long and then when you do get pregnant and then God takes the baby and and I get it, you know, there, there's fallen and brokenness in the world and it's a result of our sin and all that and God is good through all of it, but that doesn't help you answer in those moments. Right. One of the things God says uh, to, to Job is basically, Job, I am worth it. Your life, your trust, following me is worth it. And you said that in the message. And how do you, for both of you, how do you, how do you wrestle through that question in, in such pain and such grief and 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 how do you how do you even come to an answer or conclusion on that? 
I feel like it's your husband that comes to mind of what he said when he was on talking about because he's like, you know, sometimes you just got to you just put one foot in front of the other. I mean, and our salvation isn't about us doing these things, but sometimes in faith, you put that one foot in front of the other, even when you don't feel like it. Yes. And I think that's kind of the thing in those situations. You, you just, you take a step and you take another step because you intellectually in your head, you know, God is good. Mm-hmm. It's your heart that questions it. And you've said this before, but I think having the space and the freedom to lament Mm -hmm. with God is important Mm -hmm. because he understands our pain. And so, yeah, I had that back and forth. I don't understand God, but I'm still feeling this way. But he can handle my emotions on it. It's that whole idea that the most common type of praise, you know, because that's what the Hebrews would have called the book of Psalms, the praises, was the the praise of lament or the praise of complaint. Two-thirds of the book of Psalms are praises of complaint or lament, but they talk to God. Yeah. And I think the thing that drives me most crazy is Christians who have to pretend like everything's happy and joyful all the time, because it's not. And sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. But the other thing I would say is it does help me intellectually in those moments to remember these things happen whether you're a Christian or not. Miscarriages happen, death happens, whether you're a Christian or not. I would so much rather believe that there is a God who's in control and who is powerful than that it's just the senseless random act for no reason whatsoever. That actually gives me a lot of comfort. We may not say these words, but it's like, if I was God, I would take away this suffering. Yes. And that's what yeah. we, so if I was this, then he'd, and we don't, but we don't have the view that God has of beginning from the end. And so, you know, we trust him in those hard places. I, I, I feel like the more that we get to understand who God is, like Job does, I think it makes us more generous. Like I now have a greater appreciation for people who have experienced miscarriages Hmm. you know, because of how I felt in the midst of it. And just a couple months ago, you know, someone I know went through one and I actually reached out and I probably wouldn't have done that, you know, before, but it's just this idea of God loves us even in the midst of our pain. God cares about what we're going through. And if he does, then, then I should, cause I want to be like him. And so I reach out now too. It's, I think it's important. And I think, I mean, that is such a, I think foundational concept for community usually the people that help the most are the people who have been through something similar. Mm -hmm. And I know after moving here, God brought Kristen Pruitt to me and she has had her own story very similar. And she was one of those friends in that first miscarriage that dropped off flowers in a note, but, but she understood because she had been through it. So it's been a few years. Um, so where are you, you guys at now? Okay. Well, I am 19 weeks pregnant Mm -hmm. actually. And (laughs) so I'm almost halfway uh, You're almost a viability, actually. I literally am. Not that I'm counting because it's like <laughs> April 24th, but I'm almost a viability, um, which is super exciting. And I haven't been this far in a pregnancy since Luke, my now five-year-old. Uh, and it's great. I think, you know, quote all signs by that. I mean, medically speaking, everything looks as healthy as it can, but there is still some risk. And so I told Aaron when he asked me if I do this, I won't be confident that this pregnancy is full and complete until I have a baby in my arms, but I have a lot more hope and the possibility of a baby in my arms because I'm this far along in pregnancy. 
So af- after the last miscarriage, you and Joseph both talked about, well, maybe this is it. We're not going to yeah. have any more kids. So what made you decide? <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, it's kind of an interesting answer. And I would say a lot of that is COVID. So we were on a date one day and we left our date and I looked at him. I was like, why do I still want another baby? And he goes, you know what? Maybe we should just try. Uh, but that was coming off of COVID where we spent more time with our family this past year than any other time. I would like to say I have um, like a medical, like my uterus is heart shaped. So I have a higher statistical chance of a miscarriage. And I knew that going into this pregnancy. So I actually felt a little bit of shame deciding to try to get pregnant because I feel I felt a little bit like, I have two healthy boys. I just need to be thankful for what I have. And I did talk to a good amount of friends and kind of tell them where we were. But two things stood out to me as we were like talking about it and praying about it. One, there's that passage in James that talks about, you know, man, who are you? Oh, man, like you say you're going to do this and this and this. But if God wills, it'll be done, basically. And I feel like I do that a lot. Like I'm going to live my life this way. And sometimes God's like, yeah, you think all of that, but I'm going to send a pandemic and change your entire world. So there was that. And then, you know, the Bible says that God can do impossibly more than we can even ask or imagine. And so getting to that point where we landed on hoping that if it's God's will to give us another baby, we'll have another baby. And if not, He's been faithful in the past, and I know he will be faithful again. I think that's the place we had to land to try. If it happens, fantastic. We will be thrilled. But if it doesn't, God is still good, and I still have so much to be thankful for. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing and, and being honest and vulnerable, and it's had to have been not super easy. Thank you. Well, so we know this was a difficult and hard conversation and, and leading up to Easter, God is a God of suffering. He is a God who knows suffering intimately and better than, um, we would think a God who created all things would. Um, but this week, especially it's a good way to look at how, who he is and how he is generous and how he is good and how he's gracious and how he is loving uh, and really in turn that we can start to emulate him more because of who he is um, and and how he loves and extends himself to us Uh, and so that is uh, our hope and prayer for you this week that you become uh, just more and more aware of who he is and what he has done and that it changes all of us as individuals as a church um as as people of God who uh, look more and more uh, generous and loving and good. And with that, we will see you next week for Easter, um, where we will break our fast right here on camera. No, I'm kidding. Goodbye. Uh, are you going to name them like eyeshadow? Or right? Or I know. Or cinnamon. I could use cinnamon. <laughs> um, we're not going to find out the gender. So... We're going to have a surprise. What? Are you going to then do a reveal party at the end of it? Like for everybody else who doesn't know yet and like burn down a forest? Like come out of the hospital room like Simba (laughs) holding Simba? I mean, it is baby number three for us. So we're a little more like, eh.